Hello, and welcome to What to Say When Things Get Tough, a podcast dedicated to helping you communicate more effectively in difficult situations, both personal and professional. I'm your host, Leonard S. Greenberger. Our guest today is Jeffrey Dean, actor, speaker, and transformational life coach. And before I could even hit record, Jeffrey got right to the heart of the matter when it comes to breaking through and connecting with people who may be angry, worried, and suspicious of what you have to say. So we jump right into the conversation without the usual pleasantries. I hope you enjoy it. But before we get to the episode, one quick show note. This will be our last new episode before I take my summer break. I may post some reruns and perhaps some brief new content over the next couple of months, but look for new episodes when we get back to normal business operations after Labor Day. Enjoy the summer. And remember, always be positive. A couple of years ago, I thought, well, this could be an interesting podcast topic. So I started it. It's just something I kind of do in my spare time that I enjoy. So that's a little bit of background about me. It's needed during this time period. It's needed. What you're doing is good work. Why do you say that? It feels like there's a level of stress that's in the collective. And when people are in a level of stress, they drop out of their front prefrontal lobe and they start acting animalistic. They start reacting and they research shows they literally drop 30% in terms of their IQ points. So they become dumber and they get to a place where there, you know, later on, it's like, oh, I shouldn't have said that. Even if they get to that point where at another point in time, friends and family might be able to disagree and still be friends and family. Now it's unfriend me, or I can't talk to you ever again, or, you know, and all, and what is essentially communication, which is a bridge between two people. It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean you agree or disagree. In fact, actually, most progress in terms of personal relationships, in terms of culture, in terms of art and everything else is from a little bit of friction, from the introduction of new ideas. That's how you learn, right? If we never were introduced to new ideas, we would never learn. In fact, actually the physiology of learning is a little irritating. You know, that, that frustration that we feel is our, our brain starting to rewire when we're learning something and then we go away from that and we rest. And that's actually when the wiring becomes complete. It's not when we're doing it. We think we're learning when we're doing it, but that's not when it happens. And that makes a lot of sense. So there's processing that has to go on as you attempt to reconcile different opinions, facts, information that may conflict with something that you have come to think or believe. And even styles of delivery, right? I've been in conversations where we're like this and this and this, and I'm like, you know what? We're just saying the same thing, but differently. And they're like, we are, right? But it's, you have to be able to listen as opposed to, I need to be right. I mean, there's, there's something that somebody said to me ages ago that, changed my life. They said, you get to, and at the time I, I kind of, <laughs> at the time it was kind of irritating and at the time I kind of didn't agree for a moment. And then as it settled, which is the learning process, you know, the, the drop the resistance as it settled, I was like, wow, that's profound. She said, you can either be right or you can be in relationship. You can't be both, right? If you're committed to being right, 
then that's your goal. It has nothing to do with the relationship. You just want to be right. And many times that will cost you the relationship. But if you want the relationship, then it's about communication, connection, and learning. And you can both learn. I mean, if, if you approach communication from that open-hearted space, then you would be surprised the way the other person meets you. That was the other thing she said too. She said, um, listen first and room will be made for you to be heard. I think that's all exactly right. And listening is an incredibly important part of successful communication, particularly in difficult situations, because as you point out, I think when we turn off our rational brains or a portion of our rational brains and begin to think and interact primarily with, I'll call it our emotional brains, that can create an enormous barrier to any kind of give and take, any kind of effective communication that's going to break down those barriers and allow you to be heard. And if not necessarily believed, at least respected in terms of what you think. It feels like I should introduce myself at this moment. Yeah, we can go. I, I, we jumped right into it, didn't we? Yeah, which I yeah. think is terrific. But um, <laughs> yeah, cool. please, please introduce yourself, Jeff, and tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, the, this is a passion of mine. Communication, connection. I'm an executive coach. I work with men. I work with men who have gotten to a level of success that society defines as success. And at one point they may have defined it as success, but it feels empty, hollow, unfulfilling. It's costing them their health. It's costing them their relationships. And it's a bit of a, this is it. Now, they're, they're not distinctly unhappy, but there's an emptiness in there. Um, there's a frustration, there's a, and it shows up as stress and overwhelm, starts to take a, a, a toll on their body. Things that used to bring them joy are not bringing them joy anymore. They're becoming more repetitive and they're losing the meaning for what they're doing. So these are the people that I work with. And the reason I work with them is because I used to be one of them. Uh, I spent a lot of time in corporate America over two decades working in advertising in top agencies in the world and also in major media companies selling advertising and doing marketing and then uh, business startups in the internet world. So, so that's my background. And then from, from there, I had, I've had several kind of big little awakenings, if you will, big little awakenings. I mean, each one I, I opened to, but there was one moment where uh, I remember um, I was thinking to myself, so I think I've got it backwards because I'm, I'm feeling kind of bored a and uh, um, things just aren't really clicking for me. A and on some level, what I was understanding or what, what I realized was I personally felt like I was becoming too clever. I was, I was sensing where conversations were going. I knew things ahead of time, you know, so it felt boring and a little clever. And what I realized at that time and what I decided to do was uh, that I was leading with my head. And I thought, maybe I've got this backwards. Maybe my heart is the CEO and my head is the personal assistant. So instead of running my life, my business, whatever, from my head, let's see what happens when I flip it. And, you know, what happens when your heart says, you should go to Italy, 
And then your head says, okay, so which flight should I be on? And, you know, I'll book the tickets and I'll do this. And, you know, I'll, I'll set up a place for us to stay and everything else. And things changed immediately and became much more magical. Mm-hmm. Um, I started to tap into um, intuitive ways of being, seeing magic everywhere and, and, and making some decisions that on some level didn't make a lot of sense. And I'm not saying anybody needs to do things my way, you know, or if you, and certainly when people work with me, it's not like all of a sudden they're dramatically changing their life. What they're doing is dramatically shifting how they approach life. And it makes an enormous difference. It makes an enormous difference in how you listen. It makes an enormous difference in, in the, where your decisions come from, how you impact other people. And these are very impactful people. They're entrepreneurs, they're business people. They're, they're leaders in what they're doing. They're producers of TV shows. They're Olympic athletes. So these, these people ha- have a lot of externally defined success, but it's not matching the essence of who they are, right? And there's a wisdom in there waiting to come out. And I'm helping them tap into that. So for me, I decided to move from San Francisco in the corporate world to LA in midlife and start acting. I was already doing quite a few independent projects up in San Francisco. Um, I'd already done 15 different projects in San Francisco, shorts and a couple features, all just kind of small stuff. And then I moved to LA and it was fascinating. I discovered how much, which is consistent, how much of myself I'd been hiding. I discovered that in the first acting class that I went to, um, I went to an acting class with Larry Moss, who is an old school acting teacher. And he's, um, he's worked with some of the most amazing actors and he's, he's got x-ray vision. So on, I was going up on day two and on day one, I saw how he was seeing through people and I was nothing but terrified that he would see everything I've been hiding and that I didn't want to see and bring it out. And I'd have to look at it in front of everybody. I only had two choices, either do it or quit the class. Right. Just leave. Yeah. Yeah. Run. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm not telling you my nervous system didn't want to run, but I did make the decision. I was like, okay, I'm just going to be a yes. Anything he says to do, I'm just going to be a yes. That's actually going to be the easiest path for me to get what he has to offer and for me to be up there and for me to learn, right? Learning is about being a yes. And so, you know, he, he did his job and brought everything out. And I was just like, yes, I'll work on that. Yes, I'll work on that. And I did it. And as I started to do it, my acting got better and my life got enormously better. And so it, it was, it was kind of a two for right? It was really fascinating. And on some level, Acting not only changed my life, but saved my life. There were so many pieces of me that I shifted, healed, changed everything from diet to how I related, cleaned up my uh, relationships with my parents, which is a long, fascinating story. And my brother and, and just literally everything that came out of my mouth just started shifting. So uh, my communication changed dramatically as a result of that. Elaborate a little, if you would, on how you went about repairing the relationships you remember, maybe focusing on your parents and, and what role maybe these new communication skills played 
in making that happen. Which would you like to hear? The mother story or the father story? Let's go with the mother story. So when I started visiting my mother, uh, after I started doing this internal work, I would spend, I just went to her house and I would spend three, four days with her, which doesn't sound like a lot, but usually I would blow in and blow out. Usually when I was on the phone with my mother, I hope she's not watching this broadcast that she doesn't do, she didn't watch podcasts, so I'm okay there. But, you know, I would call her and I would talk to her for a couple minutes driving in LA and then she would start to talk and I was like, and I put the phone down. Mm for a couple of minutes, just cause it was just too much. She's, and, and I say all of this with complete love. My mother's the sweetest, nicest woman. It was, you know, there was a, a relational thing and there was a lot of wounding in me and we'll get to that part. But so, uh, and then I would pick it up and we'd, yeah, yeah. yeah we'd talk for a couple of minutes. And then uh, I was like, I'm, I'm going into an underground garage. I gotta go, right? And then I could check the box. I talked to my mother. And so in the, the process of shifting who I am and holding myself accountable for that, one of the promises I made to myself was being honest and authentic everywhere I showed up. And I looked at this and I'm like, I'm not being authentic at all. I'm not you know, listening. I'm not being present. I said, uh, I'm not really even connecting. I just call once in a while. Hmm. And so uh, what can I do? Like, how, how can I fix this? So I, I did what I call doing the math. That was how old are my parents? What's the average age of death in the United States? If they live exactly that long, how many visits do I average a year? What are the average days of those visits? And I calculated how many days, if they didn't die before that, maybe they live longer. What, how many days would I possibly see my parents? Not many, you know, no matter how many often you see them, it wasn't many. So then, you know, being honest, I was like, so would I, am I open to increasing that number? Well, what's that going to do if I throw another 10 days, 20 days, maybe 30 days at that number over the course of many years? Not much. The, what, you know, what's my goal? My goal is connection. Mm. So in order to do that, it's, I'm just going to start calling a couple times a week with nothing to say, no agenda and listen. So um, I started doing that. And I started speaking honestly, because there was a, a, a much of my life that I was kind of not talking about. It was a very slim version that I thought was acceptable. And so I stayed within those so that we could have easy conversations. In one of the conversations with my mother, she, she was like, you know, I was down in LA and I was acting and I'd sold some property and things like that. So, so I was okay financially. And I was focusing on my acting, I was focused on my healing, which is serving my acting, um, not uh, focused on being busy and making money and then kind of trying to squeeze it in because it was a, a big, a big bunch of work I was doing. So I'm talking to my mother. She's like, you know, you should get a job and da, da, da. And, and I was like, thanks mom. And we hang up and I'm like, I'm so, and after we hung up, I thought, wow, that was completely dishonest. So I called her back. I'm like, mom, listen, I, I totally appreciate where, what you said, what it came from. You want me to be safe. You want to make sure that I'm, you know, have a roof over my head. You care about me. You know, you, you said all of that from a loving place. I totally appreciate that. I said, I do have a request. Can you ask me if something's a problem before you solve it? And she said, Jeffrey, you're so frustrating to talk to. And she hung up with me. <laughs> so 
I'm looking at the phone. I'm like, wow, my mother just hung up on me. I mean, I, I think what I did was textbook, right? This is, you know, acknowledgement, you know, ex I'm receiving the love We're we're connecting and just stating requests. No, no, there's no energy to it. She didn't have to say yes, mm -hmm. but she literally just hung up on me. I'm like, I, I, so this is interesting. And, and three days before Mother's Day, uh, on Mother's Day, we call and chat. And um, then on when I see her a month later, I sit down and I'm like, mom, I want to have a better relationship with you. How do we do that? And she started talking about the incident. I was like, no, nah, you know, I, I, although I could remember, I was like, I can't remember all that. I said, I'm actually talking about like, how do we create it? She said, and, and as a male, you may or may not relate this, many males can relate to this. She's, she said, well, Jeffrey, you know, you don't share your feelings. You've never really shared your feelings. I sat with that for a moment. I was breathing and I'm like, well, well that's, that's legit. That's true. I said, I, I have it. I said, would you like to know why? Meanwhile, I'm thinking to myself, what am I going to say? I don't mm -hmm. know. I don't know why. She said, yeah. I said, okay. Because I am, am and as a child was very sensitive. I didn't know how to express that. Didn't have a model for that. And I felt unsafe around you expressing that. And so that was as clear and as honest as I could be. And she received it. I mean, it, you know, it, it was, you could tell that that was a lot for her to take in, but she received it. And that was the power of authentically connecting and authentically expressing myself without blame or anything. It was just, you know, I felt this. And so, you know, we concluded the visit and, and each visit that I spent with her was, you know, these three or four days. And I said, listen, I know you listen to the TV. If you want to watch TV when I'm here, that's fine. But I, I don't operate in the same room as a TV. So if you leave the TV off, I'll sit here and we'll just talk. So we would sit and talk for four days, just nonstop. Can you imagine spending four days talking to your parents nonstop and asking them about their childhood, asking them like, I mean, the bridge to connecting with somebody is compassion and curiosity, right? Those two things will bridge any prejudice, any judgment, anything else when you lean into the compassion and the curiosity. And that was transformational. I mean, I, I understood where my mother came from on a level I could have never you know, in my entire lifetime up until that moment, never really understood. And the impact on her was so much so that at the end of these visits, my mother's still alive, but at, there was a moment on the phone where my mother said to me, she said, Jeffrey, you know, I, I grew up in a difficult household. Hold, I didn't have a model for how to be a parent because I was never really parented. So, you know, when you were a baby, I get it, baby, right? But as you grew up, I didn't know how to relate to you. So I'm sorry for the pain that that caused for you because I wasn't able to be there. I wasn't able to listen. I wasn't able to provide the love and the listening that you needed. And I know that caused pain for you. Wow. I know, I know. And I was like, <laughs> the, and, and then I thought that, and then I thought the portal is open jump through it. So then I said, I'm sorry for holding that against you for my entire life and every woman I've ever dated. Wow. That's amazing. So by 
looking for ways to spend more quality time, I think, with your mother than, than quantity time. As you pointed out, you could think, well, I could up it to a certain number of days, but is that really going to mean anything exactly. if we're not making a, a, a new kind of a connection? Exactly. Um, you're able to, to break down some pretty significant barriers there and really make a connection that I think is unusual even for people who have good, close, open relationships with their parents as it is. I mean, I think of myself, I've, I've always consider myself to be very close with my parents, especially my mom. But even as I consider myself to be close, you know, I can't say that I've that kind of a relationship or breakthrough, if you will, in, in my relationship um, with my parents. And it's funny that you brought that up because just yesterday I was thinking about the fact that like you, you know, my parents are now older and even though they're still young at heart and in very good you know, shape physically, thank God, uh, you know, they are, my dad's now 81. My mom's going to be 78 this year. And I've been thinking about wanting to spend more time with them. They live in Texas. I'm here in the Washington, D.C. area. So I get out there maybe two or three times a year and for maybe three or four days. It's always very quick. I was just there earlier this month, for example, for my birthday. Flew in on a Friday, flew out on a Monday. And uh, I always go for, I, except for the COVID interruption, I go for Thanksgivings. And I was thinking, you know what, I might actually just go for a week you know, instead of just a few days around the holiday. But you've, you've sort of awaken something in me. It's like, yeah, I could go there and spend a few more days sitting around the table in the kitchen, you know, and, and just generally having relatively superficial conversations, which is fine. But I will give some thought to, you know, how can I maybe deepen that relationship before it's too late, right? Yeah, it was, you know, it was fascinating because we, we relate to our parents as our parents, so what I did was I related to my parents as somebody I was just meeting and potentially would be a friend with. Like, what was your childhood like? What was it like raising me? What happened inside of you when you, when you realized that you were pregnant? Like what, you know, what scared you? What, um, what dreams do you have? What dreams are you happy that you filled? Do you have any regrets? I mean, just really like, who is this person? that I spent and shared all this time with, and we did all these things with, but like there's another rich connection that you can get to just with a shift of perspective. And, and that really is the essence of communication, right? It's, it's a shift of perspective in looking at the humanity in the person in front of you, mm-hmm. not their ideology, not, you know, are they right or wrong? Cause they may be, they may, you know, have an opinion where you're like, well, that's, kind of crazy, but I love them. Right. Or, you know, we both are completely on the opposite of whatever issue over the last two years you want to pick. And the, the, the thing that perhaps both of us share is a love for humanity, a fear about what's going on. And those are two emotions in humanity that we can connect with, right? The rest are ideas and executional but the humanity is how you connect, right? And acknowledging that in somebody else or acknowledging it yourself so that there's an opening like my mother created for other people to step through. In a way, what you're talking about is uh, empathy. Um, Absolutely. Really being able to, if not put yourself in another person's shoes and see things from their point of view, at least understand where they're coming from and why they feel, think, believe 
uh, what they do. Getting back to what we talked about earlier, it's you don't necessarily have to agree, but if you're at least willing to see things from the other person's point of view, I think you will discover that many of the, as you point out, sort of the fears and the and the thoughts and the the wants and the needs are really pretty similar. Right. You know, no matter who you're talking to and what you may or may not have in common. But it's identifying those things and being open to that and, and accepting that people are different and have and they may have different ways of looking at things and thinking about things. Right. And if you're open to that, you can learn so much and you can evolve. Learning is evolving, right? And and learning, evolving both are another way of saying become a better human. I do a fair amount of training, media training uh, for clients that I work with in my professional life. And when we talk about the media, we encourage folks that we work with to spend some time absorbing media from sources that you wouldn't normally tune to. So if you are uh, a liberal and watch MSNBC, for example, religiously, one night a week for an hour, flip over to Fox and, you know, with as an open mind and open heart as you can, you know, listen to what is being said. And the other way around, if you're a Fox person, go to MSNBC or whatever outlet you may think, well, I would never pay any attention to them because I don't believe what they believe and it's all just propaganda or what have you. And try to at least expose yourself to what other people are hearing and, and thinking and saying. And as you point out, that's really a first step in in learning, right, in, in growing, and hopefully being able to find a way to bridge differences. And I would also say as having spent my corporate time in media and, you know, worked with the Newsweek, the Washington Post, and then the, kind of the news world too, in uh, advertising sales, but having in the business side, but having seen, you know, the content creation and then been, being in the receiving end of it, and working with the subconscious and helping people transform who they are and working with the advertising agencies and knowing the influence of media and having worked with advertising clients based on research that says if you run three or more ads at 30 seconds each, so a total of 90 seconds, you can start to influence behaviors, attitudes, and beliefs. So realizing how strong the media is on shifting who you are, my recommendation would be turn it off. And then you will notice that your nervous system drops and you'll notice that your stress drops back to what we were saying before about how stress disconnects, right? And then you'll notice it's much easier to connect with people who may have a different opinion because you're not as programmed and also as agitated. As, as you pointed out, when your emotional brain is leading the way, facts and information, are, they're just going to bounce off. You're not going to be able to absorb anything. So if you can yeah, dial down that stress, that emotional thinking, then you can be more open to what others have to say, other arguments, other information, other facts. I don't know if you've ever heard this. So the acronym for news is not even worth seeing. So just literally as an experiment, anybody that's watching this, if you turn on, I mean, there's a, there's a part of us that gets addictive to that, that dopamine rush of, you know, of getting angry, of getting frustrated, of, you know, getting at that. It's built that way. 
So if you turn that off, just as an experiment, turn it off for one week and notice what happens in your body. Notice what happens in how you start to relate to people. Just an experiment, you can turn it back on after a week and you, uh, I guarantee everybody will feel a difference. Given everything we've discussed, uh, if somebody were to come to you, say me, and say, uh, Jeffrey, I want to have a more open, better, stronger, deeper relationship with my somebody in my family, or I want to have a more productive relationship with somebody at work, if you could sort of summarize what you would advise someone who's, who comes to you and asks that question. The first thing that I would do would be say, connect with the humanity of the person in front of you by listening to what they're saying with compassion. Meaning if they're saying something that sounds ridiculous, listen a, a level deeper. Underneath of that ridiculousness, what's the energy? Is it fear? Is it anger? Is it frustration? Like there's something else that's propelling those words and within those words. And if you can connect with that, you can start to understand what's behind that because maybe they're afraid. Maybe they need to be told it's okay. You know, I'm on your side, actually. We're saying the same thing, but differently. So it really involves a level of listening to how the person in front of you is feeling and what they're truly trying to say. Right. And, and a, a great resource might be nonviolent communication. If anybody hasn't read that book, that's a great book. So that, that's about listening to the humanity of the person in front of you. And then you'll understand the messaging of what they're trying to say. And, and when you listen with curiosity and compassion, that'll shift your relationships. Yeah, I like that very much, the curiosity and compassion that you mentioned earlier. And I think that is very similar to the caring and empathy that uh, yeah. that I talk about a lot with clients who are looking to establish uh, more productive, closer uh, relationships with, with coworkers or uh, communities uh, where they may work. That's absolutely number one. If you can't demonstrate that you are a caring and empathetic person, you're just not going to be uh, successful in communicating, particularly in difficult situations. And I think the same is true. Compassion and curiosity is another way of saying that. And I yeah, I really like that. In fact, I might go with the three C's, caring, compassion, and curiosity. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and in the business world, I mean, if we just want to step away from, even if somebody is just, well, how's this going to help me in my business? Because I, I, I'm focused on, I got things to do. So in the business world, there's only so far your intellectual curiosity, your IQ can take you, right? But the, the level of leadership available to you when you improve your emotional intelligence is off the charts. That's where leadership comes from, is emotional intelligence. That's essentially what we're talking about. It's really about emotional intelligence, right? Mm -hmm. Like I how do you, um, I, I have a, a good friend of mine. He's a, a CEO at a major bank in North America. And he, he would, we sat down, we reconnected and we sat down and, and he was telling me this story. He's like, you know what? I called in. Everybody who, not the people who I employ, but the people who run the floor, the, the people who keep the floor clean, the people who like the people that support people. He's like, he pull, I pulled them all into a room and he said, and this is the CEO. He's like, I'm embarrassed. He's like, I don't know any of you. He's like, I, I you know, you keep us running. He's like, I want you to know how important you are and that you're valued. And I want you to know that there's an ear and that there's support for you here and that we, we care about you. 
He's like, and I want to know who you are. I, I thought that was amazing. Something I'm sure they didn't expect. But, no, for sure. But welcomed. For sure. And that's the way it should be. I mean, you know, everybody is here on their own journey, right? We're all walking each other home. And um, the best we can do is the best we can do at that time. And people are here to support us. Uh, and we're here to support other people. Terrific. Jeffrey, I started off by saying that I hadn't done as much preparation as I normally would and prepared some questions and even shared them with you. But I think this went incredibly well. And as a bit of a you know stream of consciousness approach, I, what you've said is, you know, I think, very powerful and, and very relevant uh, to the topic of the podcast and the people that listen to it. So my last question for you is anyone who who hears us and would like to get in touch with you, uh, what's the best way to do that? They can send me an email to my personal email. So it's J-E-F-F-E-R-Y at inspiring-breakthroughs.com. And I will personally respond to anybody who does that. Very good. Thank you so much for uh, joining us. And I hope you have a a good uh, long holiday weekend. Thank you. You too. I appreciate this and you're doing great work. I really appreciate what you're up to in the world. Well, thank you. Thank you as always to Jim Cirillo for our original podcast music and to Rachel Greenberger for our original podcast art. Send questions to WTSWTGT at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at WTSWTGT. Until next time, always be positive. time inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.